0: Welcome to the Wonderful Leaders Podcast, a place for Christian entrepreneurs and leaders to be encouraged and inspired to grow in your personal and organizational leadership. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome everybody to the next edition of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. I'm uh, super excited today because I've got a Good friend of mine and someone who is, or you're gonna hear his story, someone who does so many different things and has lived an amazing life so far. He's still a young man, and uh yeah, lots to discuss today. So I'm really looking forward to just hearing some of Mike Davies' thoughts on on, on just leadership and life and kingdom leadership, and just sharing some of his experiences. And I think it's a real privilege to have people like Mike, you know, just share life experience with us. You know, as leaders, it's easy to get lots of teachings and lots of theories but the reality of the kingdom of God as you learn through life and through living it out and through just letting God mold you and shape you and Mike's one of those people that have done that for a long time and and also made some recent decisions which we'll unpack in a little bit later on just yeah just to, to really see how God's used him has been really inspiring for a leader like myself so I'm really looking forward to having you Mike so welcome
1: well thanks Dan and uh yeah looking forward to it myself let's see where we go today
0: absolutely, so first off, Mike, for those listening in, tell us a little bit about yourself. tell us about where you 're from, what you get up to, and what does your your multifaceted leadership life look like
1: Well, yeah, I get a bit confused myself sometimes, um, but um, I lead um, the eldership at uh, inspiration down here in Oakhampton in the top of Dartmoor. Um, my wife and my wife, Justine, and I planted the church. 20 years ago now. So uh, been going, wow. going for a few years. Um, but my background is really in finance. I've done a lot um, in accountancy. I've worked for two of the largest uh, accountancy firms in the world. Um, I've done a lot of work with in investments. Um, I set up an investment company. Um, we operated an accountancy firm here in Oakhampton for a few years, um, but that got a bit too large. Um, it was taking over our lives, so we had to trim that back. Still do accountancy work, but nothing of the same uh, same same sort of league as we were in. Um, we also run a surveying business, which has been going for thirteen years. Um, that's going qu- that's quite successful. That's beginning to build. Um, a little bit worried it might get the same sort of size as the accountancy business. <laughs> staffing issues and all sorts of problems then, but it's going quite well. Um, Up until May last year, I was the elected, uh, well, I was was the mayor of West Devon uh, Borough um, as an elected councillor. I've been the mayor of Oakhampton twice, which has been great to actually be a pastor in your own town, but also be the mayor of the town at the same time. Um, I also head up an organisation called Praying for Politicians, which we pray for politicians of whatever political party. Um, I'm married to Justine and I have a son who's 13, who thinks he's 25. (laughs) <laughs> but, um, that's my background. It's mostly mostly finance, but a lot of building work, construction work as well. Wow.
0: well, you say mostly finance, a lot of building construction work, and then, then you just open up this whole new area of politics, which, which you know, so let's just say so to clarify, obviously, you've got the business side, you've got the finance side, you've got the church leadership side, you've got the political side in terms of mayoral role, and obviously uh, the, the, the overall political side and the prayer side of that as well. So not much. <laughs> so in your spare time you like
1: to go and give it give us because i know you're a very you support a very specific football team yes a football team that was promoted this week as well plymouth Arca island um very really? pleased about that although i would have loved it of course to be actually been in a stadium when they you know won the game and got promoted rather than that like, all being on technicalities and things yeah
0: like just that. like a paper exercise promoted yeah. to which division Excuse my naivety.
1: Yeah, well, we're one of those clubs that's had, had glory days some years back. So we're, we're going up into Division One. Oh, there we go. Which there we came go. down from last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: did you? So it's a demotion, then promotion. There we yeah. go. Well, listen, I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal fan and we've got nothing to shout about. So there we go. I'll stand with you. At least you got promoted. So I'll tell you one of the things I want to unpack, Mike, You know, particularly for, for our listeners that are really passionate about sort of living out their leadership in, in different spheres. I want to just talk a little bit about the politics okay. because that seems to be a really interesting part of your life over the last few years. And it seems, you know, from looking from the outside in, it's something that... God's just sort of weaved you into different places and positions and really used you as, as a real ambassador in, uh, in, for his kingdom. So tell us a little bit about your politics journey. Where did it start? How did, how did it
1: grow? Yeah, well, I've always loved history, first of all, which is quite key. Uh, and I've always loved politics. Um, and so, so the history of British politics has always fascinated me. It's not surprising I've got myself into politics. Um, but it all started back in 2003 um, here in Oakhampton when I was trying to encourage some churches that they should try and get some of their members involved in the local community, and especially in the local council and the, and the borough council and even the county councils. Um, so as I was going around, I said, we got an election in 2003. Let's, let's try and get, encourage people to come forward. Um, but nobody came forward. Um, so therefore, people said, well, you, you know, it was on your heart, you put yourself forward. Um, so I put myself forward <laughs> at, at the time And I was very surprised that I actually got elected Back in 2003 um, It was a very small turnout If I remember correctly <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I did get most of the, most of the churches um, Supporting me with that one um, But it's interesting over the years of course Because we've had a lot more teaching um, From people like um, Landa Cope uh, Lance Warnow about getting involved in the different Getting Christians involved in the different Kingdoms of life um, Politics and government being one of those so I sort of got myself involved and it sort of grew, really. Um, and uh, in 2015, I thought I should move up from the town and put myself up for the borough, um, which I did. And I was elected and pleased to say I was re-elected in, well, last year. Um, so I've got another, another four years to go, whatever happens. Um, but it's always a humbling experience when you put yourself up as a to be elected, because first of all, you've got to try and promote yourself, which I'm not very good at. Um, it's okay trying to promote a business or a, a service that you provide but trying to promote yourself as being the best candidate um, so, um, but it's always a humbling experience when you you've come the day and you have to stand up there with the, uh, uh, the returning officer on the stage and uh, he reads out the, out the names and, and the votes and um, you're always just hoping you, you haven't come last sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately each time I've been elected so I haven't had a feel that experience but it, it's a very humbling experience for everyone, everyone involved um, but it's also interesting when you look at different aspects of leadership um, you know because in church leadership if people think you're wrong they'll try and correct you or try and do it in a very polite way um, in, in a business environment where you have sort of repeat business you'll have some sort of people aren't happy with the service you provided or you're not happy with their service and you can sort of argue that but you're still you still continue in business um, but in politics um, if people don't respect to what you've done or what you said then they'll tell you in the language they want to use um which can, it can be quite threatening at times well well so I can imagine over the
0: years you must have dealt with a lot of different um issues and areas both locally and politically and do you, you know how have you how have you found that journey how have you sort of what are some of the leadership principles or keys or things you've tried to sort of live by through that time because like you said I'm sure there's been lots of ups and downs and there's a particular thing we want to discuss in a minute about, about a recent decision that you've actually made which is a hugely you know it's just a large decision you've made and so um yeah what are some of the principles and what are some of the sort of things you've tried to live your life by because you know I can imagine you've been in some really challenging environments.
1: Well I think it's, it's having those um the, the sort of the, the kingdom principles of life really you know following Jesus as our servant king. It's just having a servant heart. It's, it's being honest. Um, if someone thinks you made the wrong decision, um, then you've got to explain why you made that decision. And as long as you're honest with it, you can defend that. Um, uh, one of the roles I, I, I did have until fairly recently was interviewing prospective candidates for, for election. Um, and people the, the question I always got asked, no enough, was actually, what do you do when actually you've got to vote for something that the party tells you to vote for, which you don't agree with? And I've always said... You can only defend something that you agree with, you know. Um, so I didn't always vote with a party line, um, which may led to some of the issues I've got now. But you know, if you can defend what you believe in, then you can defend it. But you can't defend what somebody else believes in if you don't believe in it. So it's having integrity and it's being honest.
0: Well, wow. well, I mean, it's easy, it's easy to talk about that and to say that. But, you know, uh, you've just mentioned it there. You've made a recent decision, which I think is... Uh... Yeah it's quite a big one I think for your life personally and also just for the political party you're involved with. Do you want to just unpack that a little bit more because I'm sounding a bit like a you know like a
1: politician myself a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um well it's it's, it's interesting cuz um it's quite complicated and I won't go into all of it but uh, I was a conservative councillor supported by the Conservative Party I was the branch chairman locally I was the um the chairman of the uh, constituency association. So I had quite a prominent position in the Conservatives. Um, I didn't quite agree with the stance that Dominic Cummings took, um, not just on his drive up to Durham, but with other issues he's done within the party um, and and in the government. Um, So it was a hard decision, but I did resign from the Conservative Party. Um, I did speak to Tony Fitzgerald about it, my sort of spiritual father beforehand, and uh, received counsel. I spoke to my member of parliament about it. I spoke to the leader of our council about it. Um, but one thing I've always said about any decision in life when I'm giving advice is leave it 24 hours. Yeah. Um, if you're still not too sure 24 hours later, leave it another 24 hours. And I, I left this a week. Um, and at the end, I, um, I resigned from the Conservative Party, which I didn't think was a big, a big issue. I thought it was more just for me personally. Um, but it became a big issue because our council was cons- a Conservative-led council with a majority of one um so wow. all of a sudden it became a local issue but then it became a regional issue and then it became a national issue because other political parties were making the most of it saying the conservative party had lost their hold of a, of a council um so now i've got some um, i'm in an awkward situation now uh because we've got 15 councillors on one side 15 on the other and i'm sitting as a non aligned member in the middle so um interesting times
0: well and and how does that work or you're not sure yet is that
1: Yeah, we've had we've had some several we've had one we've had several council meetings during um during lockdown um the virtual meetings um we had a full council meeting on tuesday which is my first one as my as a non-aligned member so it's very interesting um because lots of comments were made about me because i was uh, obviously affected that uh, affected the balance of the council so uh um, but they did, they did re-elect me as the chairman of um, um, Audit, which I had held for four years. And so even I stand by myself, I have been re-elected by, uh, by my colleagues to still chair, chair one of the important uh, committees of the council.
0: Fantastic. So you, you have literally during this sort of, you know, lockdown period, you have made a decision to step down from as a member of the Conservative Party based on your convictions and based on, on what you thought, you know, some of the things you've seen happen.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because actually, I I wasn't trying to encourage anybody else to leave or stand up or speak up about it. It was was something I did personally. Um, And I think since I've done that, I've had probably four people have contacted me saying they disagreed. Yeah, I think it is definitely four people have contacted me saying they disagreed with my decision uh, for whatever reason. And I don't know how many thousands of people have emailed me saying, well done, you know, so... Um, and I've I got to be honest most of those emails I haven't read I've just <laughs> seen the first, I've, I've seen the heading or, or the first line I just haven't got time to respond to them all but um so you've literally had thousands of emails saying well done. thousands yeah and some of them are very tearful actually very you know people saying they why they why they think I did a, made the right decision and what happened in their personal life you know? I mean I've had letters from uh, emails from people who um, are actually uh, working for the NHS actually in intensive care Um, Saying it's great that someone's taken a stand to support them, as far as they see it, Um, you know, through to sort of mums who have been. uh, One in particular lady wrote to me and said that um, she is at home by herself. She had COVID symptoms, three young children under the age of five, but she was categorically told that her brother couldn't come and visit her uh, under the regulations. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, but. but I didn't tend to I didn't tend to my initial thought was actually me taking a stand for what I believed in. It wasn't uh t- suddenly t- thinking I could get all this all this recognition from other people. No, but I love that. I love
0: that. You know, when we talk about you know, standing up for integrity and for justice and for the things that you believe as as a Christian and as a as a man who's got a certain level of political influence, you believe a certain thing. You stood up for it, you've counted the cost, and yet the positive impact you've had thousands of emails, um, you still keep in your roles and actually the 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 sort of what that the, what that leaves in people that you're leading is an absolute sense of of integrity and morals over just following the crowd and just you know or just what we can do very well as English people is talk about things in private but not ever air it in public. You know, mm. privately we we're, we're upset about scenario A B C but in public we have the stiff upper lip and we just nod our heads in agreement. But I just absolutely love the fact that you haven't done that and you've stood up for something that you believe in, and that's phenomenal.
1: To get thousands of emails off that, I bet you weren't expecting that. Yeah, and the strange thing is, I mean, again, it's not one of those things I even thought about from the very beginning, but business-wise, we've actually picked up a lot of business through that. Um, wow. I won't go into it because it's – I mean, we've actually signed contracts already with some people to sort of say, yeah, great, we, we heard you on the radio, or whatever, um, we've seen you about, and um, yeah – we were thinking about giving you some work and now we're definitely giving you some work so isn't that incredible Hmm. it's the sort of thing you would have possibly even thought about or even conceived at the very beginning of just handing you noticing no but
0: isn't that the kingdom is that is that step of faith and that journey of faith and you know doing what you believe is right and doing it in the right way with the right heart and the right attitude and yet that fruit and that increase comes in a way that you don't even know I think that's such a powerful kingdom testimony. So for those listening, I'm hoping you're inspired by that because that's really such an amazing thing. And I think we find ourselves in such a, a strange time, but it feels like a real sort of God time, you know, in history at the moment, just in terms of what everything that's happened with the pandemic, everything that's happened in a way that is making leaders really, you know, both in business, in politics, in church, really evaluate and stand up for the things that they believe in. And actually, obviously, the more recent events we're recording this podcast after what happened with George Floyd in, in, in the US and what, what that's brought into the UK. And just, you know, and, and I'm not going to get into the situation, but what it's really doing, you know, is, is forcing people to stand up for what they believe in and mm. actually be the voice, you know, not just hide behind our, our sort of corporate walls or hide behind our church walls, but actually to be out there in the community, metaphorically now, because we can't get out, we're in lockdown and actually be an encouragement and be a voice of reason and a voice of integrity. And I think you're, you know, what you've done is such an incredible example of being that, that kingdom voice in the midst of, yeah, you know, times that are extremely challenging. Um, I mean, just, I mean, kind of moving off politics, I suppose we could talk about politics for ages and, you know, <laughs> I think we could talk all day, but I think just, um, What are some of the biggest lessons? Because, you know, we've spoken about some big things already. And obviously, you know, because God uses you in so many different ways, what would you say are some of the lessons you've learned along the way, along the journey? What are some of the things that you kind of think, do you know what, that's a real life lesson?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things of, uh, I think I said this to when I spoke to you before, it's just trying to, uh, I I tend to find a lot of things funny when other people don't. So it's just trying to keep humour and see the funny side of things sometimes. Although, you know, there's a serious side to life as well. Um, I tend to be fairly laid back in my approach, um, but I, you know, I still have to have a focus. So in meetings, I, I usually write down, um, you know, what have we got to achieve out of the meeting just to make sure I'm so laid back. Sometimes we forget to, you know, so it's being laid back, it's being chilled, but it's, but it's making sure I have that focus to keep going forward and push things forward uh, and find a lasting long-term solution. Um, uh, and it's been being accountable to somebody else, I think, is, is very key. Um, because it can many years ago, um, uh, I was a young child, I must have been about 10 or 11 or something. Uh, my um, my uncle was a, a naval captain, and um, we went, I went out with one of his ships, um, and it was moored just, just off Plymouth. And I thought it was like a young boy, I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I remember saying to him, it must be fantastic being the captain. And he said something, it was to saved with me all my life, actually. And he said, The only thing, Mike, is that when you're at the top, it's very lonely. And I thought, yeah, it can be. So actually being accountable to other people uh, yeah, is just so valuable.
0: That's really interesting. And I think that's, again, that's such a, a, a valuable principle in, in leadership in life is that accountability. And obviously, I mean, I, I know a little bit about your life, so I know some of the people you journey with, but who would you say would be some of the the sort of leaders that you look up to and some of the people you've learned from, because I think, you know, great leaders always learn from others around them. They're never, never too big for their boots to think they know it all, you know? So who are some of the people, um, yeah, that you've learned from that you glean, you glean wisdom from that you journey
1: with. And yeah, how does that look in your life? Yeah. Well, I mentioned Tony Fitzgerald earlier on. I mean, Tony is my spiritual father and been a great influence, a wonderful influence in my life um well something he said to me many years ago is that in any relationship you should always make sure the door is left open um so you can go back and you know don't close the door so firmly because you don't know when you're going to see that person again um and I, I said that to so many people make sure in any relationship you know just don't slam the door when the relationship's finished make sure that relationship the door's still open that you can still go back and build on that relationship in whatever way um but leadership wise i think it's probably um Historical figures, really, for me, um, someone like William Wilberforce, um, obviously known very much for his um, work at the abolition of the slave trade, but um, I've read a lot of his writings, and it does touch me. It just his—he just viewed life that you know everything is created by God, and therefore everything should be respected. Um, and and I, I tend to take the same view. It does touch me so much when I read one of his journals, uh, and it said that you know if you walk in the woods and you see the trees. You know, they are created by god respect them um so it's not surprising he did the work he did um certainly with the aboli- abolition of the slave trade but also you know he was one of the founder members of the rspca so the protection of animals so he's been a great um, influence just to, in his readings but someone a bit more recent in times is um is mayor angelo um and every year i force myself in a way to read the book um, i know why the cage bird sings one of her books um and uh, it, it it just speaks about her difficulty, um, you know, growing up in a, a, in, a, in a in a white area when she was black and just the persecution that they, they received in the, in the United States at the time um, and how she went on to become a civil rights campaigner. Um, and she had such a wonderful piece about her when she could have had so much hatred. Um, she's, you know, I've read her books and the, she's seen so many of her interviews and heard so many of her interviews and she's been a great influence in my life. And one of the things she, she one of the things she said, you know, she's often quoted. Um, he said, "I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel." And I think that's quite key for all of us, really. It's how we make people feel. It's not to talk down to them. It's, it's you know, you got to remember the influence we have on other people's lives. Wow, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really, really good. So
0: it it feels like uh, feels like you enjoy reading as well. So. Have you got any 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 books that you're reading at the moment that in, in, inspire you or that any
1: anything good in lockdown Wait. in lockdown books uh, i've done the lot, quite a few books um recently um i actually did <laughs> strangely enough i don 't know why but um it was quite I quite enjoyed it actually i i read um uh, demi demi moore's um, autobiography um which was yeah, that's quite an, actually, to what a, quite an eye-opener to what a difficult life that she had, you know, as a young child and how awful it was, really. Um, I must yeah. admit, I wasn't expecting that. No, no, yes, I wasn't actually. expecting to read that. <laughs> you you know, go from William so much, Wilberforce to Maya Angelou to Demi Moore. <laughs> yeah, but I heard so much about it, I thought I'd read it. I also just recently read the, uh, the, the there's a new book about um, uh, just GCHQ, GCHQ. Um, which was quite a long book. And to be honest, I struggled to get to the end of it, but that was quite interesting. Um, but I tend, to, I tend to focus on biographies and autobiographies. Um, so I, put, I went through Alex Ferguson's one over, over lockdown. That's, that was quite interesting. Yeah, um, I've read that as well. Yeah, that's a good one. You
0: know, lots of good leadership principles and tips in there as well. Hmm. Yeah, no, fantastic. But, but I, do,
1: I, do, I do love reading about um, sort of the civil rights campaigners um, from around the world.
0: And, and, and how do you, uh, you know, and I don't necessarily you know want to go into too much detail, but how do you feel about what's happening at the moment then in this area of civil rights and just what the impact has been, you know, with with everything that happened with, with George Floyd, which it felt to me like it was a culmination of several incidents, should we say, that have happened over the last, you know, few months and few years. Um, yeah, what's your perspective on it and what's your take on it?
1: Yeah, what we have got is we've got these... Um incompatibly sort of flawed communities, really. These are communities that we we think are working together and working well, and now we're finding there's there's such undercurrents um, that, you know, especially in the United States, they're talking about um, equal rights. It's equal rights in name only, it's freedom in name only. Um, So something needed to change. Um, I don't condone violence, but, you know, something needed to change, something had to happen. Um, You know, and it just seems so strange to me that, you know, certainly in the United States, all these years on, um, we're still talking, they're, they're talking about civil rights, equal rights um, between white and blacks. I mean, you would, have, you would have thought, really, there was that sort of um, um, a primary facie case of, of earned and equal um, rights back from the days when they, when blacks fought along whites in the American Civil War. You know, why are we still talking about it now? It should have been dealt with, um, but it hasn't been. So it, has to be, so it has to be talked about now. And it's one of those narratives that um, needs to change. Things need to change. So it's good that it's coming out. I don't, I don't agree with the violence, but you know, it's one of those things that um, if people aren't feeling equal, if they're not equal, then we have to do something about it. Change is a constant, um, and what people don't like, of course, is um, is is the is constant to change. Um, but things do need to change.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and that's and that's a really good perspective. And I think one of the one of the uh, Sort of journeys we've been on with leaders is helping them to to be the voice and hands of change, but doing it in the right way. You know, one of the one of the um, the realities of being a leader in the kingdom of God is that you're an ambassador for the kingdom mm-hmm. of God and being able to actually be a voice of change and stand up for what you believe in, and actually to not just be conformist to the world, but be but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and actually have your mind renewed in a way that Christ sees. Sees people but actually been able to do it with that heart of love i think is 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 the key and and i think you know one of the things that i've seen throughout this sort of lockdown period is actually as i mentioned this earlier but leaders actually beginning to stand up more and more for what they believe and for who they are and beginning to voice it and i really hope that you know the stories like what you did recently within the conservative party hopefully we're at a turning point where both politicians and society are beginning to say, no, we've got to address this issue. Um, yeah, hopefully we're going to come out of this period actually in a much better place as a society and also as a church where, you know, I, I love the fact that we're a church without walls at the moment, mm-hmm. that we just be in church. And we had a conversation, didn't we, before, um, before we started the podcast, just actually being able to engage with people in their homes in a very real way, an organic and natural way. is such a good thing. You know, it feels like it's almost like a reset on how we communicate and how we treat each other. So I'm really hoping that what's happening with this whole you know, area of George Floyd feeds into a wider narrative of actually how we live together and dwell together, and actually how we live kingdom life together, mm. which is out of that respect and integrity and honour for each other, and actually that we all stand equal before God. So no, I think it's a, it's a big issue, and it's a deep issue, but yeah, I'm really hoping
1: that we're actually seeing the seeds of change at the moment, which is really good. Um, and no. I say, I mean, it's wonderful what you're, you're doing sort of with, with wonderful leaders, really. It's, it's something that we need. It's something that the, the kingdom is desperate for, really. It's having this sort of forum where we can, we can share, we can, we can talk to each other. Um, because what we do need is we need Christians to be involved in social reform. You know, we need social reformers. We need um, political thinkers. We need radical philosophers. Um, and it'd be wonderful it, for that to come out of, out of wonderful.
0: Absolutely. No, thank you for that plug. Wasn't expecting that. but yeah, no. And, and I think you're absolutely right. I, th- I think you know, we're all part of a bigger conversation about how we see you know, God's goodness and his love and his kingdom be established on this earth. And I think there's such a, a big conversation to have. And sometimes we just don't put the time aside to do it. So I love speaking to people like yourself because you've got such an incredible story. And, you know, we could talk all day, as we said, but we try and keep the podcast to a fairly, you know, to a jogging time, i say, a 5K jogging time. Your average 5K jogging time, what's that? 25 to 35 minutes. So we should be coming to land, you know, or, or a good evangelical preach. Um, depends where you, where you sit with it. So if we're coming to land now in terms of questions, I've got a big one for you here. If you were to look back at your life and your leadership journey and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself?
1: I would say that life life is precious. That's the very key thing, you know, life itself is so precious um, and, and to make the most of it, uh, not necessarily your life, but everybody's life. Uh, Anne Frank um, once wrote down that how wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. Um, so if I was to give myself advice, I'd just say that life is precious tomorrow is a new day um and don't take it personally i know it is difficult because some of the comments i get are very personal but then try not to take it personally somehow you just got to rise above it and just to go on but you know at the same time respecting people's views and of course keep the humor (laughs) don't take it personally now there's a big one there's a whole podcast
0: in itself isn't it (laughs) but that's brilliant i really appreciate that mike and I appreciate your time and, uh, yeah, just spending this time with us. And, yeah, thank you so much for the insight. The wisdom is something I think we can all go away and listen to time and time again. There's lots of little brilliant nuggets in there. So thank you again, Mike Davies. Bless well, you. you. And I really hope that, you know, this next season in politics, um, yeah, you navigate it through it, you know, with, with, with grace and, and, and that God really continues to guide you and, and, and shape your future. So thanks very much, Mike Davies.
1: Well, bless
0: you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast. To be part of the community, join our close Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Simply look us up at
1: Wonderful Leaders and we'll see you there.